You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. And thank you for joining us once again here at Grab Them by the Pod. I am Kevin with Jesse. And what better to do on a Saturday night than talk about some politics? You know, there's nothing else I'd be rather doing. You know, why go out to a bar or a club or on a date or anything when I can talk to you, Kevin? And the reason we're doing this is because I'm going to be gone for the next week or so. I'm sure we're going to miss lots of important things that happen. But unfortunately, I have to travel for work and they pay the bills. I I love this more than work, but I don't get the same amount of money that I do from the day job. You know, every once in a while, we actually have to, you know, earn a living. But, you know, if you go to patreon.com slash grab, uh, you can give – I think it's that slash grab. You can give us money and let me quit my job. It would be great. Yeah, if you want more, grab them by the pot. If you really <laughs> enjoy the show, you know, we could be doing this full time if you want to put some money in our pockets. Now, if you remember our last episode, which came out last Monday – uh, it was right after we had some big, big breaking news that uh, somebody in the Oval Office, yes, the president, had shared some information uh, with the Russians, which, you know, that's not good. And, of course, the next day, even more – I mean, every day, every single day, more information comes out. But the big, big news came out last week on Tuesday that we found out that Comey had been writing some disturbing memos about the president, as he's been known to do uh, throughout his career – uh, and disturbing, not because of what he was writing, because with the subject they were on. Uh, apparently, in an Oval Office meeting in February, Trump asked uh, the former FBI director, Comey, to shut down the federal investigation into uh, Michael Flynn, who, of course, is his former national security advisor. And the quote itself was, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go. Uh, the president can't do that. That's obstruction of justice. Yeah, Shades of Watergate, you know, October 20th, 1972, the Saturday Night Massacre, Nixon firing Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox. Just not a smart move on the president's part, especially because he pissed off the wrong 6'8 guy. I mean, Comey is a giant, and uh, he's he's not going to go away quietly. I mean, this is – we've talked about things like impeachment in the past, and you don't want to get ahead of yourself. Uh, You don't want to be super partisan and just every little thing the president does yell out and say it's impeachable. Uh, But I think this might be the first thing that consensus is around that uh, it may not necessarily be impeachable, but it's definitely worth talking about and using the I word. Yeah, it certainly is. And we saw late this week that uh, I saw a number of articles referring to some of the White House lawyers looking into impeachment in the process. So it seems as even the Trump administration itself is beginning to gird itself and and get ready for a potential impeachment showdown in Congress. And it's telling that uh, when this normally happens, this kind of crap has happened in the last few months. Republicans are out there. uh, They're pushing the agenda. They're having the same talking points. uh, They're defending the president. When this happened, it was all quiet on the Western front. All of the Republicans disappeared uh, I saw one one uh, person from BuzzFeed saw Daryl Issa running and asked about this, and he flipped her off, flipped her to the bird, and then kept on running. So no one wanted to talk about this. And when the Republicans eventually did kind of come out of hiding and start talking, uh, then they were a couple of them were saying, you know, maybe impeachment is on the table if what Comey is saying is actually true. Right. The Republicans are in a tough position here because for the first time in eight years, they have somebody in the White House that they can get their legislation passed through. And they aren't going to be so quick to try to get rid of that situation. But at the same time, 
President Trump has shown himself uh, to be a little bit unstable at the wheel, and so they have to weigh their options. I mean, let's be honest. The reason that a lot of the Republicans are backing Trump is because they have things they want to get through. They have legislation. They have issues they want to get through, and if you piss off the president of your party, well, then you may not get it through. But also now they have to think that 2018 is only about 18 months away. And getting your legislation through isn't going to matter if you don't have a job come you know, November 7th of 2018. So uh, at a certain point, it looks like – I don't want to say enough is enough, but it's – they're breaking rank. I mean if you just look at a recent uh, – I forget who ran it. I should have information in front of me. Of course they don't. Um, a recent in the last day or so poll uh, had that 75 percent of Republicans are backing Trump, and that's a far dr- uh, drop from recent – even a couple of weeks ago. I think it was still in the 90s. I couldn't believe it. So uh, at least for the moment – This is very real to a lot of people who have been backing Trump for one reason or another. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. You know, I'm certainly on the edge of my seat. And a lot of people, I remember when this first came out, said, oh, it's weird. Why is he taking all these memos and all these notes? But Comey is known for that. I mean, he he went against the Bush administration and uh, George W. Bush, and basically won because of the notes he took. He, uh, he he's known for writing, and it's, it's if you see what's happening right now, it's safe because that way he has a well documented uh, account of what's going on, so that things can't, can't be blow back on him and and get him in trouble. Well, one of the things that uh, Comey was in the news about this week was how uncomfortable he was with the relationship that Donald Trump was trying to establish with him. Right. There was the hug. (laughs) The hug. You want to tell us about the hug, Jess? Oh, boy. When you watch the video, it's just kind of ridiculous. And we've even read that uh, Comey didn't want this. He actually was hiding in the the drapes. He wore a blue suit that kind of matched with the uh, drapes in the White House. So maybe even this guy's a monster of a a man, 6'8", he could kind of hide. But no, it didn't work. Comey was called over, and he didn't even want to shake his hand. He didn't feel it's comfortable because you don't want to be buddy-buddy with a president. You should be independent, as we've been saying for the last week or two. He extended his hand to shake it, and Trump kind of went in for a hug. And if you watch it, I watched it again today. It's really one person hugging a guy who's shaking another guy's hand. Uh, So it it, it did not look good, and it just put a really sour taste in, in Comey's mouth, which I guess we can understand why. Well, according to Benjamin Wittes, who's the editor-in-chief over at Lawfare, who is also a a personal uh, friend of James Comey, he said that Comey was disgusted, in quotes, by the hug that Trump gave him at that White House meeting, and that Comey was going out of his way to try to stay at arm's length. He believes that the FBI director should be at arm's length from the president of the United States, and that it was just completely unsettling to him. And that's one of the reasons why we were against a lot of these candidates for the FBI director job. We don't want these people who uh, don't know that, who aren't going to be at arm's length, who are going to be right next to his side, you know, holding his hand for all we know. Uh, it's also interesting that Comey had to tell the president that if you want to know details about some of the FBI investigations, don't call him. Like, don't call me in the middle of the night and contact me. Uh, do the, Use the proper channels. Have the White House counsel contact the DOJ. Do things how they're done. Uh, he did not want to be seen as being part of the Trump administration because he's not. He's the FBI director. It should be totally separate from that. Right. Aside from being appointed, that's where the relationship needs to end. It needs to be somebody who is impartial, who will look at both sides equally under the law. So this was like a big deal. I was getting my hair cut on, on Tuesday afternoon. I come out and my phone is blowing up. I'm like, what the hell is going on? All the channels are saying, you know, this is a big deal. Impeachment, 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 possibly, possibly, except for Fox News. 
um, Fox News was talking about uh, a debunked story about a DNC staffer who was killed and their relation to WikiLeaks and all this stuff, which is that's literally fake news. A family of this poor kid had to send a cease and desist letter to Fox saying, stop talking about it. It's not true. You're saying lies. Uh, and, and there was another poll that came out recently saying that like 93 percent of the uh, news coverage about Trump has been negative. And people are pointing to that saying, see, it's not fair, but being negative doesn't mean that it's not true. Like, there's no correlation between whether it's true or not and whether it was positive or negative. I mean, look at all the scandals that are coming in. It's no wonder that these have all been negative. Right. When you partake in improprieties and when you when you do wrong things and the news reports on that, that's <laughs> that's just news. That's telling the rest of the world what you're doing. <laughs> all right. So that was enough of a scandal for one week, right? No, wrong, wrong. Uh, then we found out that the previous week when the Russians both, uh, you know, Sergei Kislyak, who is the uh, Russian ambassador, and by, by the way, probably a head spy for Russia, and uh, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, whether they were meeting with Russia because, you know, Putin, that guy who uh, tried to fix our elections and stuff, called Trump and said, hey, can you meet with them? And Trump's like, you know, yes, master, whatever you like. Just well, wait a minute. Isn't, uh, according to Representative, uh, was it Kevin McCarthy, uh, he thinks that <laughs> Putin is paying Donald Trump to have these meetings? Yeah, I think it was Dana Rohrabacher was the other person. And again, these are the things that come back and they bite you in the butt when you have Kevin McCarthy saying, like, I'm serious and don't leak this. Of course, it got le leaked, but uh, it's I'm serious that I think Trump is being paid by uh, Putin. And then you see something like this, like, we should be telling Putin to go screw himself. And that, that should be a, a nonpartisan uh, idea. I, I know it's a big country and you need them uh, when it comes to Syria and things like this. But they legitimately tried to screw our elections. They did screw our elections, I would say. They tried to screw the French elections recently. I mean, this is what they do. And now you're letting two of their bigwigs come in. For all we know, they're dropping bugs over the Oval Office. It's it's really just bizarre and not smart. So anyways, while they were in that meeting, um, it turns out he uh, started talking about Comey and saying, you know, I just fired the head of the FBI. He was crazy, a real nut job, which uh, you shouldn't be talking about that to the Russians. You shouldn't be telling them that things are going to be easier now that this guy is gone. And all that I could think of after this came out was that photograph of Kislyak, Lavrov and Donald Trump in the Oval Office having a laugh. And the two Russians seem to be, you know, they're, it's a real knee slapper. Those guys are, are are laughing their butts off. And all I could think of was they're saying to each other, this guy's a nut job. <laughs> I almost uh, see them playing a game to see. How far will they go? Like, you know, can they ask him for the nuclear codes? Is that is that too far? He probably won't give those up. But uh, you know, what's the Until limit? He does. Yeah. What's <laughs> Until he does? Well, one of one of the things I was reading this week is that that he said they can't. It's it's so hard when it comes to the the uh, classified briefings and stuff because they want to tell him don't tell people these certain things. But if they say it to him, those are the things that he's going to say. Uh, there, there was a great Politico article just talking about how. Everybody in that White House is just like freaking out and thinks Trump is crazy and you know are already prepping for their next jobs down down the pike. Uh, when your own staff and your own White House is doing this and they're leaking stuff, something's wrong. And of course, Spicer, that's all you can focus on. The White House, all they can focus on is that it's the leaks. The leaks are bad. And it's been said by a lot of people, and I think it's a, it's a great comparison, that it's like uh, a guy getting caught cheating and then yelling at his wife for looking at his phone. It's that diversionary politics once again, and we know that they're the professionals at it, so it should be expected at this point. Dude, Trump, Trump cannot get away, 
are cannot stop bragging. I mean, we saw that when it came to that asset. Who, by the way, the asset we talked about in the last episode that he looks like he screwed over um, was likely Israeli. Uh, so uh, some of the, even though he's meeting with uh, Netanyahu and going to be in Israel in the next couple of days, that can't make them happy that he just couldn't keep his fat mouth shut and share this information with the with the Russians. It's, it's I see this every episode. It's ridiculous, but I shouldn't be surprised. But I am. I don't know. I'm you, you know it's the sad reality is that we have to consider you know this in this situation that we shouldn't be surprised. We should be. We deserve so much better. We should be surprised by these things. But in these first several months of the Trump presidency, we really can't be anymore because one after another, these situations keep coming out. It's been said before, but it can't be said too many times that this is all very special treatment for Donald Trump. If Barack Obama had done most of this stuff, if George W. Bush had done this stuff, we would have been burning them, you know, an effigy. It would have been insanity. But, you know, it's just Trump. That's what he does. We're we're expecting it. And the fact that we're expecting it's becoming normal, that's not good. Well, and his supporters, the people who still stand behind the man, even with all that has come out and even with, you know, his ineptitude in the job. They stand behind it because they say, well, this is what we wanted. This is what we voted for. He's an outsider. No kidding. He doesn't know what to do, but that's okay. We want somebody to come in and shake it up. But truth be told, it is a danger to the rest of us. It is a danger to our country and the existence of our democracy to allow him to continue making these mistakes. Some of these people, and again, they did an article on his like ride or dies, basically, said when they see a lot of these, these stories, they just ignore them. They don't want to hear it. You know, Hillary's still bad, even though Hillary has nothing to do with anything. Um, one guy said, you know, what would it make him what would make him turn on Trump? Well, if he gassed his own people. And he goes, oh, I'm just kidding. But not really. I mean, these are literally what it would take them to turn against him. And um, the sad part is by the time his hurtful policies affect them, whether it's health care or uh, or tax reform, it's going to be like 2020. And the election will have happened for the next uh, next president. And it's all too late. And I guess that's part of the plan on the Trump team is to get this stuff done and not have it go into effect until he's you know, elected again if he runs. The wheels are turning inside the minds of the those who are running the show. And I tell you, but every week that goes by, um, our podcast from a couple weeks ago was looking stupider and stupider where I laughed at The Rock running. But The Rock might actually be running now. Um, I hope it's a legitimate candidate running. But I look at The Rock and say, you know what? I think he would always do the right thing. But then again, he's an actor, so so who knows what he would really do. So so all this nonsense is going on. And then again, even more nonsense is brought to light. Uh, turns out Trump and his team knew that Flynn was under investigation, and they decided to hire him anyways because, you know, why not? He's a... Uh, What's the worst that could happen when you're a national security advisor and you're under investigation for taking money for Turkey, right? Oh, nothing, nothing at all. I'm telling you. Now, this is where it gets interesting. I I don't know what's – I mean that's not illegal, but it's stupid. And uh, Pence was the head of his uh, transition team, so who knows? Maybe something comes on that it takes down Pence too. Then we have President Paul Ryan or President Nancy Pelosi. Who the hell knows? I mean this all sounds so far-fetched. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, but it's not so far-fetched, actually. I mean, this stuff can go down and happen. Right. This is the stuff that television drama series that revolve around political scandals, this is what it's made of. It's it's uh, art imitating life and life imitating art at the moment. But, you know, I have I take issue with the idea that Trump hired Flynn with knowing that Flynn uh, had done these things. 
And then coming out and saying that the Obama administration should have done something about it. They're the ones that should have vetted him. Well, they (laughs) did. If we look at facts at what actually happened, the Obama administration fired Mike Flynn when he was still a general in the army because of what a source that worked close with Flynn called insubordination, despite what Mike Flynn tried to play off as just saying he had harder line views on extremist Islam than the Obama administration did. It was for insubordination. And this is all going to come to a head sooner rather than later, I think. So finally, uh, we were actually together when we found this out that they decided to name a a special independent counsel or independent prosecutor. And they chose a former FBI director, Robert Mueller. uh, And this guy is a straight shooter. He was Comey before Comey was around, uh, just by how he's doing it now. Um, He hates the limelight. And he actually has uh, a background with Comey. So... I read some article that back again, what was it, 04 or 01 or something, or, you know, during the W presidency, uh, John Ashcroft was, uh, I had some surgery, so Comey was, was named, I think, acting attorney general, and they were afraid that uh, Alberto Gonzalez was going to try to get something uh, re- uh, signed by Ashcroft while he was still recovering, and that wouldn't have been right, and Comey and Mother like, ran to the hospital, and, and they had, like, the Secret Service and DOJ agents going against each It was this insane thing. But it shows that Comey and and Mueller are going to do the right thing because it's right. It doesn't matter who the president is. And uh, just just a little background before um, I I shut up. Um, Mueller was announced as FBI director in 2001, just before the 9-11 attacks. He's seen seen the tough stuff. And he was there under George W. Bush and Barack Obama. And Obama actually extended his – his uh his posting by two years because usually ten years let him say that for twelve so uh, this guy's a real deal. Well, as you said, he's a straight shooter, and prior to his his life uh, in government service, well, technically it's still government service. He was an officer in the United States Marine Corps during Vietnam. And a shout out to my father, who was also <laughs> in the Third Marine Division, as was Mueller. And he received a Bronze Star and two Commendation Medals and a Purple Heart for his service. So so the man believes in country. He believes in serving his country and. That is exactly what he's doing right now, trying to get to the bottom of what went on back in November. Can't you? When this is all said and done, get your dad to be like, "Hey, you know, from one event to another, come on my son's podcast." <laughs> I don't, I don't know if the connection runs that deep. No, I no, don't you, think the two ever met, but uh, you know, they were from the same Marine Division. So, if there's something to be found, uh, I think Mueller will find it. And if there's nothing to be found, you know, that might be the that might be a fact. And uh, you know, he he won't find it, but for the right reasons, <laughs> if that makes sense. So all this stuff is going on, and it's, you know, what, Wednesday at this point? I'm like, oh, my God, this is the most insane uh, week we've seen in a long time. And that's saying something on all the insane weeks we've said. And for about a day and a half, Trump wasn't saying anything. And people were like, wow, Trump has not tweeted in like in a day and a half. This is a big deal. And then, of course, you know, the, the floodgates opened, and out came Trump. And he, uh, he said, this is the single greatest witch hunt of a politician in American history. Um, with all the illegal acts that took place in the Clinton campaign, in the Obama administration, there was never a special counsel appointed. So he's doubling down on the whole Obama thing. Not only did he wiretap him, there were also illegal things happening in the Obama administration, not to mention the Clinton campaign. Um, this is the point where his lawyers and everybody should be like saying, shut up. Apparently his staff had a Twitter uh, meeting with him saying, you know, you got to stop this. It has to have an intervention. And apparently it didn't work. Well, President Trump, time for a history lesson. Welcome to Mr. Brown's classroom. Matt Pierce over at the LA Times had a great article this week that he quoted numerous political science and history professors from institutions across the country. And collectively, they kind of scored three presidents who had worse political witch hunts on their heads. One 
Andrew Jackson versus John Quincy Adams. When Jacksonians accused John Quincy Adams of buying a gambling device with taxpayer money. That gambling device, a billiards table. Two, Andrew Johnson, who was impeached by the House of Representatives and narrowly escaped being removed from office by the Senate for political reasons due to his lack of support for Reconstruction. And the winner, taking the cake in fairly recent history, Bill Clinton, with numerous investigations into his conduct, including the investigation into Whitewater by Kenneth Starr, which then brought out the Monica Lewinsky scandal, which led to an impeachment by the House of Representatives, but with the Senate not being able to remove him from office. So President Trump, there have been other politicians who have had worse witch hunts on their heads. Let's not forget. So a couple of days later, he was actually here in Connecticut at the Coast Guard Academy um, graduation. Gave a speech where he said something similar, like, you know, you know, no, no politicians had a heart of them. He something along those lines. And again, the people you mentioned. Let's not forget. You know, all the presidents who were shot and killed. They've had it uh, harder than he has as a politician. Uh, some people are like oh, Nelson Mandela probably had it kind of tough as a politician. So you know, Trump. You know, at a graduation, it shouldn't be about Trump. It should be about how these people go forward and do, you know, make the make the best of their situation, blah, blah, blah. But Trump can't have it be about anybody but him, you know. Yeah, you guys are graduating. Let's, let, me, let me talk about me. Can't imagine being a graduate or a parent or a loved one of a graduate at the Coast Guard listening to that and hearing him make it all about himself. Hmm. Yeah. At least the uh, Coast Guard Academy was you know, down in the state. I didn't screw up my traffic at all for work. That's the one thing I'm happy about. When, the, when I lived in Washington, D.C. area, man, it was both Obama and Bush did it. They would decide to leave the White House at rush hour and make me just sit there for another 45 minutes waiting for them to leave. Um, very angry. Oh, what's another 45 minutes? Really, what's another? So <laughs> as if things weren't bad enough for the Trump administration, a few days ago, Lindsey Graham came out and basically said that I think what we all saw coming was that this investigation is now seen as a criminal investigation. Um, big, big things are going to be coming. And he mentioned you know, Congress is kind of out of it now with a criminal investigation. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, now the FBI and those folks can really focus on it. And you know, a day after that or so, uh, it was reported that the investigation has identified a current White House official as a significant person of interest, and the rumors have getting stronger and stronger that it's actually Jared Kushner. <gasps> and yeah, not so, the golden child. Well, as like I think a cartoonist I saw make a picture. You know, honey, it's only your first husband. Come on, you can let him go. And, uh, and again, you know, out of anybody in that White House, Kushner is the most, I think, liberal leaning. So, he, but he has the ties to Russia and, and other things. You know, they were his family members were kind of using the Trump name in in some other areas where they shouldn't have been doing. So this is, I don't not to you know make fun of uh, the Netflix series House of Cards, which is coming back uh, on the thirtieth of the Tuesday, the thirtieth. Watch it. Uh, this is really just a House of Cards. And you're going to pull out Kushner, you're going to pull out one person, and it's all going to come toppling down. Uh, I mean, this is how these things happen. It, it just all falls down when you pull out the keystone, and it's it doesn't look good. I mean, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't even know for sure they're going to find anything, but it does not look good for the White House right now and the administration. Yeah, what was that I said about art imitating life? Tell me about it. It's a, it's. Stranger than fiction is what I what I said earlier this week, man. That you you couldn't make half the stuff up. If if you wrote a movie about this stuff, you'd say it was too far fetched and it was stupid. But no, 
I saw someone tweet uh, earlier this week that when the inevitable movie gets made, it'll be made through uh, through Comey's eyes. You know, you call it Comey, and you'll and you'll see him. You know, if he if he is considered the ultimate hero of all of this. You know, the tragic hero because of what happened uh, with the letter before the election and then the redemption of, of going through and taking down uh, a, a crazy president. And totally redeem yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be exciting. I mean, I think the Internet may break. Uh, Comey has announced they're going to be testifying before the Senate Intelligence Committee. They're going to name a, a date for his testimony after Memorial Day. And I can imagine just C-SPAN and all this stuff just like falling down. It's If he says – Things that could take down a president. I mean, it's gonna be it's it's history in the making, and I would urge everybody to watch it. I know a lot of these hearings can be a little boring, but man, some of the information if it comes out, um, what we think might come out, you should want to remember where you were. I think when he says some of these things, people often, you know, ridicule me for watching C-SPAN for fun, but let me tell you, this is gonna be some riveting television. It's. I, you know, I, we're nerds, okay? We're dorks. I, I find it very soothing to have C-SPAN on in the background. I used to have like the Senate procedural hearings, or you know, procedural whatever in the background, and just hear the votes and everything it was very nice. But uh, most of the people in the country, I guess, would not do that. But I, I would recommend, you know, it's if if you just need some like background noise, stick on C-SPAN. Oh, I watch C-SPAN all the time, and you know, I prefer the term political egghead. <laughs> I try whenever these big things happen and they have the line, you know, the Republican line, the Democrat line, independent line. I try calling through to speak and I can never get through. And the people that do get through, it drives me nuts because they're usually relatively uninformed and they're just angry and they're yelling at the guy. I mean, John Oliver has made a, a segment about this on his show about this guy, the guy, I can't remember his name, but the guy who takes these calls being the most patient man in the world because people just say the most insane things when they call in. Um, I, I can only imagine people. Have nothing. I can't imagine that many people are watching and make the phone lines busy. But I actually, after the health care reform bill uh, didn't pass uh, the first time, I called in roughly 50 times in a row and couldn't get through. But, wow. Oh well. Those angry people make for better television. They do. Who wants someone uh, speaking with facts? All right. Whew. That's that's a lot of information on Comey and on Trump and stuff. So we can let that go for the moment. By the time you're reading this, more stuff may have come out. We don't know. It's the problem with podcasts these days is that. Anytime you record something, something else insane is happening at that exact moment. But and, and likely it's going to still do with Trump as Trump is kind of going on his first foreign trip. Uh, he's in the Middle East right now. He's in Saudi Arabia. Uh, earlier today, he he went to the uh, Men Only concert by Toby Keith. Uh, though I heard Melania made a little you know, a little drive by, but you know can't have her there. Uh, and so he's going to Saudi Arabia, which. God help me, the things he could say there about Islam that could just set the world on fire. Uh, then to Israel, Vatican City, then the NATO meeting in G7. So this is like a week where Trump could like totally – he's already kind of screwed up us domestically. He could screw us up uh, in the foreign stage as well. Well, I think uh, this week the 56 percent of people who in a poll according to Reuters this week that disapprove of the president, they can kind of take a collective sigh of relief as he's out of the country <laughs> for nine days. All right. We, we get a break from Donald Trump being here. But as you said, he's overseas on the world stage, potentially causing an international incident. So I, I don't really know if we can relax ourselves just yet. Well, from what I hear, you know, it's showing people that he's just full of crap, uh, to put it bluntly, is that when he ran, he ran so hard against Islam and, and said some really inflammatory things about it. And he's, I hear he's going to be very you – know, 
a little more soft-spoken when it comes to it. You know, this is not about, you know, the America versus Islam. It's good versus evil. The same talking points you've heard politicians say for, you know, he's not, he's not going to say Islamic terrorism or Islamic fundamental terrorism, whatever. Because, and these are the things that he yelled at Obama and other people for not saying themselves. So it shows that you become president and suddenly uh, what, what you advocated as a candidate can't necessarily happen as, uh, as POTUS. Right. I think it shows a little bit of cowardice. If you can run so strongly on that hatred towards a particular group of people and you can rally your base around that. But then when you actually have to go and meet people from that background, you're going to you're going to step it back some. Now, while I agree that's a better foreign policy strategy, you know, if you really if, if that's your, you know, courage of your convictions, you know, stand up for what you really believe in. And if not, then maybe you need to reevaluate what you believe in. Although they're already kissing uh, Trump's butt. If you, if you saw some of the pictures, they have giant poster boards of him and their, their president or the king, whoever the hell he's meeting with over there, prime yeah, minister. Yeah, 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 and steak and ketchup too, I know. They're, they're really, you know, <laughs> you know why? You know why? Because they just signed today a $110 billion arms deal between the United States and Saudi Arabia where King Abdulaziz Al Saud and Donald Trump signed off or, or oversaw the signing off on this agreement, which was negotiated by Jared Kushner. That's why they're bending over backwards. <laughs> and and uh, is, is it Roger Stone, who is one of uh, Trump's biggest backers, was tweeting out today that, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be making them pay for 9-11 because they were the ones that financed it. Oh, my God. It's not worth talking about right at this moment. Throwing flames uh, on the fire there, you know, some really. gas on the fire. I thought the whole um, well done steak and ketchup was like just a joke until recently. Like, no, 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 that's that's the odd thing that he really likes. I'm like, I, well, I don't know. Zoe said that. that himself as a first grader is not much different than himself now. My, my son's in first grade. He likes to eat ketchup with his steak. Uh, and it's weird that the president would actually admit something like that. Uh, the, the saddest part is going to come from these NATO meetings. I mean, he's already threatened to, to pull out of NATO a million times with the NATO and G7. So these are meetings with like heads of other other countries, important people, and they normally have a lot of speeches. And the speeches have been uh, they've been told to keep their speeches at least four minutes or less because Donald Trump can't keep uh, you know his attention on these on these speeches for any more than that. And this is you know following reports that you had to put Trump all over his news reports and briefings to keep him interested. I mean, you, you can't have a president who's not paying attention. I know we've all been in school where we're bored and don't want to pay attention, but uh, don't run for president if you don't want to sit there and listen to these important uh, speeches. It's it's almost, it's like a joke, right? That you have to put the man's name ever so often throughout the paragraphs just to keep him reading. I mean, what does that say? It's a bad joke. And these, these are the reasons why he says dumb things when he's in meetings. He says things he's not supposed to because there are probably bullet points that say do not mention this to the Russian ambassador if he can't get that far down the, the note. You know, it's like it's like one of those fake quizzes that, you know, your teachers like to trick you with in, in high school that say read all the way to the end. You, you missed the directions. You, you skipped over the directions and you <laughs> did it and you went and got to the last question. It said, you know, if you read the directions, you only have to do question number one. Yeah. It, <laughs> You know, that's that's kind of what we're dealing with uh, from the president of the United States. Oh, and, and this trip actually may mark the end of an era. You know, I, I, I've talked about this in the past. Uh, spicy might be gone again. We say this every week, so maybe it's only inevitable. But uh, reports have come out that uh, once they get back, uh, Spicer's role is really going to be downsized and that he's not going to be doing his daily on-camera briefings anymore. And again, I've complained about this in the past. I love my Spicy 
Um, he, he gave an, uh, an, an audio-only gaggle, so you couldn't actually see them, although the camera was basically just pointed, on C-SPAN at least, at the wall. And he wasn't his fiery self. He wasn't yelling. He wasn't uh, you know joking. He just sounded defeated. So, I mean, between everything that's happening, maybe he just sees the writing on the wall, or maybe he just can't take any more scandals. Well, lots of staff, lots of reports have been coming out in numerous uh, papers that the staff is miserable. You mm. can't deal with perpetual scandal and perpetual upheaval like this without becoming miserable. Well, nobody wants to speak either because the president would then contradict them a day later. It, it, it's embarrassing, and especially when this whole last scandal came on Tuesday – Reports I read were that Trump just disappeared to the residents and like basically didn't want to deal with it. It was screaming at the TV, but left left everybody else to deal with his mess. And you can't just keep making a dumpster fire and then leaving others to put it out. Well, you can if you're president yeah. number 45. You, you can. You just shouldn't. So, All right. We know what we've been yelling about uh, Republicans this entire time. So let's go at a, at a Democrat. Um, <laughs> Anthony yeah, Weiner. Dems are bad, too. Yeah. Yep, yep. Former congressman and a Democratic congressman and, you know, would-be mayor of New York City if only he could control himself. Uh, Anthony Weiner pled guilty to basically sexting a 15-year-old. And as part of the plea agreement, he has to uh, register as a sex offender. That doesn't go away. And uh, prosecutors want to go away for about two to two and a half years. So – uh, it's, it's not looking good for uh, for Weenie. Oh, if ever there was a more fitting name for somebody, Anthony's Weiner got him in trouble. Well, Carlos Danger is his non de plume, or or as as our friend Patrick said, is his pseudonym, pseudonym, pseudonym. Yeah, like pseudonym Patrick. It's a pseudonym. No, Carlos Danger is that what he was tweeting some people at or texting with people as, which you know, is is when it comes to fake names, that's kind of a cool name. You know, Carlos Danger. I don't know. But, uh, you know, Huma, Huma Abedin, who is the main uh, woman with the main woman, the, uh, you know, Hillary's main staffer, she's already signed up for divorce. So uh, it, it's not going to get any better anytime soon for Anthony Weiner. Okay. And the guy kind of looks like a like a creep. And with less than Weiner, I can't imagine if they send him to like real prison that he'll fare well, although he'll probably go to the like, camp cupcake or something. Well, it'll be interesting to see what goes down between him and Huma because apparently, according to some reports, he had his wedding ring on at his uh, court hearing. And he also, in court, claimed that, you know, he has a sickness. He has finally admitted that he has a sickness. But, you know, how the mighty have fallen. You know, it's a, you got to be careful whether it's him or, or Spitzer. These guys, they let they let their pants do the talking. And, you know, sure, Spitzer was just screwing uh, prostitutes, but at least they were of age. Uh, I mean, I guess Wiener didn't, as far as we know, didn't actually touch anybody, but it doesn't make it good. You can't be sending, uh, you know, your Wiener's Wiener to uh, girls of that age. Just not cool, not legal, just no, 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 no. And you know, I, I think Huma's kind of cute. I mean... I guess maybe she's been out since the whole uh, scandal started. <laughs> Apparently, she's going to be uh, single pretty soon. Well, you can give her a call. You know, I'm going to be a power couple. It'd be great. <laughs> and 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 you know, ending here with another, I guess, former Democrat, now independent, uh, Joe Lieberman. So last week we talked about like 12 different people who could be up for the FBI director's job. One of the people that was not on that list that nobody saw coming was former Senator Joe Lieberman, again, from our state, Connecticut. Uh, and he's emerged somehow as the leading candidate. I don't – where did that come from? Out of the blue. But then again, many things that Donald Trump does come from out of the blue. And what's worth noting, by the way, that uh, Lieberman works for a law firm now that represents who? 
Donald Trump. Perhaps they so, slipped him a note. Yeah. Democrats are not necessarily in favor of this one. They're still kind of pissed off that he left the party, although I guess it's not necessarily his choice that he left the party. He didn't get the nomination, um, but he, he opposed a lot of Obama policies. He has no law background, so they, they, don't, they don't want another person who could possibly be partisan in that spot. But Trump is just chucking along, saying he's going to pick somebody really soon, and uh, it, it might be Joe Lieberman who's going to uh, take the, the, the chair. Certainly, you know— Al Gore and Joe Lieberman, had they taken their rightful place oh my God, in the boring. White House, would, would have been the most boring president and vice president you'd ever have to listen to. Guess what? I, we would kill for boring right about now, though, wouldn't certainly, we? Certainly, certainly. Oh, man, be careful what you wish for, folks. But, you know, he, Joe Lieberman might have to rely uh, on his experience as uh, being Connecticut state attorney general back in the late 80s prior to being elected as the senator from our state. And, uh, you know, it's funny for me, I have a personal uh, story about Joe Lieberman. Back in 2004, when I was a campaign manager for a state representative race here in the state of Connecticut, we actually had Joe come out and stump for us. Got to How'd meet him, you know, spent yeah. a couple hours with him while he was, uh, we were hanging out at the Governor's Tavern in East Hampton, Connecticut. And we had a grand old time. And little did I know, 13 or 14 or 13 years ago, I guess it was, that uh, this guy would potentially become the head of the FBI during one of the most tumultuous times in American history? Just say no, Joe. Just say no. One of the things I want to wonder about is, so I was raised Jewish, but I'm really agnostic, you know, borderline atheist, not very religious. But he's like super religious. I mean, he's, I think, probably even more religious than than the Kushner's. But uh, say something crazy comes out on a Saturday when he's like, not allowed to use a light or a phone or anything. Uh, what do they do? I mean, does he ask his rabbi for special, uh, you know, special powers to be able to do that, or does he just give it to his deputy? Hey, well, I was raised Catholic, and the Pope said I could have corned beef and cabbage on St. Patrick's Day this year, even though it was on a Friday during Lent. So, you know, things can be arranged. And the Pope also, uh, you know, through lack of response, said I could be the godfather to your children. Anyway, I, I tweeted the God. I tweeted the Godfather. I tweeted uh, the Pope and said, "Hey, I'm a Jewish guy. Can I become my uh, best friend's the uh, uh, Godfather to his children? If you're cool with it, do not respond." And he didn't respond, so I'm taking that as a yes. Hey, look, you know, different people might read that different ways. Yeah, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. Or... I'll have Trump ask him when he meets him in a couple of days. All right, that's a lot of information that happened in just the last four days or so. So, uh, Kevin, what do you have for uh, Kevin's Corner? Well, Jesse, in making his first foreign trip as president, Donald Trump has a wonderful opportunity to ease the fears of the nations of the world, depending on the way he chooses to present himself and the ideals of the United States. We should hold out hope that he did his due diligence in preparing to negotiate with other heads of state from diverse backgrounds, beliefs, and values. The ability to empathize with our perceived enemies will carry us farther than simplistic America first doctrine. Showing a willingness to learn the history and culture of other nations will allow the president and his contemporaries to form peaceful and long lasting solutions to the difficulties we are facing. This is the true art of the deal. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, snap. Well, that's wonderful, Kevin. Thank you so much for that. And thanks to all of our fans for listening today. We appreciate it, as always. And uh, anything that might go down next week while I'm traveling, I'm sure we'll talk about it on Twitter. And then, uh, you know, if anything crazy, crazy happens, maybe 
I don't know, maybe like Friday night we could do something quickly. But if not, we'll be back same time, our same normal time at least, on a Tuesday, hopefully, or maybe Monday uh, of the following week. So, everybody, thanks so much for listening. Go to our website, www.grabthembythepod.com, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Kev. Later. Later.